This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Jeff Rowan, Executive Chairman and Founder of POET. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS Inc. is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. CHS is diversified in energy, grains, and foods and committed to growing their business through domestic and global operations. Poets Jeff Rowan joins us next here on Open Mic. What does it mean to be relevant in today's global agriculture marketplace? To CHS, it means having the people and facilities in place to deliver U.S. grain to a feedlot in South Korea or investing in energy production and distribution to help ensure dependable fuel supplies for our local communities. In fact, we've invested more than $1.4 billion on our owner's behalf to make sure we stay relevant now and end of the future. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. At 22, Jeff Bruin was manager of a small South Dakota ethanol plant with an annual capacity of a million gallons. Today, Poet is the world's largest producer of renewable fuels with an annual capacity of 1.7 billion gallons of ethanol. Jeff Bruin says U.S. energy policy directly helped grow the renewable fuels industry and indirectly supported commodity farmers around the globe. Without question, uh, when those uh, pieces of legislation were passed, the industry began to grow. Uh, you know, without question, we started to see uh, you know, higher production capacity. Uh, we started to see uh, much more demand for ag commodities. And worldwide, we even saw a a balancing of of the agricultural commodity supply that really helped farmers, not just in the U.S., but around the world, uh, have a sustainable price for their grain. So ethanol impacted U.S. farmers. Uh, They were able to make a profit without a subsidy for one of the first times in 50 years, but also impacted uh, farmers in third world countries, which a lot of times are 70, 80% of the people there, impacted their lives because they now had a profitable price as well. And we weren't shipping our grain in there below the cost of production. So the renewable fuel standard affected globally uh, not only energy and energy prices, it brought down the price of gasoline by creating more competition in the marketplace. It also helped spur agriculture and agricultural production literally around the world. 27 different plants inside the company of Poet. Renewable fuel from corn and renewable fuel from cellulose. How's your production capability, your capacity, your efficiency, how's it changed over time? Well, uh, I started with a 1 million gallon per year plant when I was 22 years old. And today, Poet produces about 1.7 billion gallons of ethanol in this country, about 4.6 million tons of byproducts. Uh, It's a tremendous volume of of byproduct that goes all over the country. It's high protein, high uh, fat, high energy products. We also produce about 75 million pounds of corn oil. I think a lot of people forget we produce energy. Uh, You know, we produce uh, animal feed, a very high value animal feed. and we also produce uh, corn oil that goes to a lot of biodiesel production, in some cases animal feed as well. How did you respond to those and still to those who go into the food versus fuel debate with the ethanol industry? It is the most ridiculous argument uh, on the planet. Uh, it was a well-funded argument by our competition. Uh, food versus fuel does not exist, and I'll explain why. It's because we only use the starch portion of the corn kernel to make ethanol. Leftover are all the high nutrient parts, the protein, the oil, and the micronutrients all go right back into the food and feed supply. Uh, the thing that people need to understand is the world is awash in starch. There's a surplus of starch in the world. And so we're taking the surplus part portion of the grain, the starch, and making energy out of it, 
and then we're taking all the other parts of the grain, uh, which are in demand, and putting it right back in the food and feed supply. So actually it has very little, if any, effect. If it has an effect at all, it's that it's raised the price of grain so people in other countries can produce more commodities rather than us giving it to them below the cost of production and subsidizing with our tax dollars, which has actually improved the supply of edible commodities around the world. It's actually increased it. When we were talking about energy policy through Congress and RFS 1 and 2, there was it was always set that cellulosic ethanol would provide and would be a greater volume than that of uh, ethanol from corn. What challenges have the, the cellulosic industry faced and what challenges do you face now? Cellulose has a tremendous opportunity to be a very large source of energy for our country. About a billion tons of cellulose go to waste in this country every year. That's about 80 billion gallons of, of fuel. Uh, that's enough to replace all of our imports of, of oil and gasoline. So tremendous opportunity uh, to produce cellulosic ethanol. We are working on the technology. Uh, as you know, Poets are uh, more than a decade deep and spending uh, significant dollars and a lot of our resources learning about cellulosic ethanol. We are bringing the first commercial plant online right now. We've had, I'd say, uh, more challenges perhaps than we thought. We knew it would be really hard, but slightly more than we thought. But it's going well. Uh, we, have, we have really knocked down uh, a lot of the issues, and we should be producing uh, commercial volumes shortly. So we're, it, it's a learning process. Uh, if you go back to the beginning of corn ethanol, it was a tremendous learning curve. I lived it. I lived it. Uh, a lot of plants struggled for a while. Eventually, we got it going, and we got better and better and better. The same thing's happening in cellulose. We're struggling a bit. We're going to get it figured out, and we're right on the cusp of that. And then it's going to just improve for the next 20 and 30 years and get more efficient and, uh, and higher productivity and lower cost of production over time. I recall being at Farm Progress Show and other events where we were talking about a device that would go on the back of a combine where a farmer would be harvesting sover for one particular source and the kernel of corn for another source. Uh, is that still in, in a vision? Is that still a possible and, and is, can it become a reality? It's a little bit different than that, as we've learned. Uh, we did that for a bit. Uh, right now what we do is we just shut off the straw chopper on the back of the combine, drop the leaves, husks, and cobs. By the way, the low, the low fertilizer value, and in fact, cobs are kind of a bad actor, so good to take off the soil. So we leave the leaves, husks, and cobs. We leave them behind the combine. We let them sit for a day or two and dry, and then we come back and bale them with a round baler. It's become uh, a lot in a lot of areas a custom uh, operation. So the farmer just gets a payment breaker, and a custom operation comes in and bales and and stacks, and we pick them up later when we need them. So it's uh, it's been very commercial. We're collecting uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of bales uh, over in the brown bales over in uh, in the Emmitsburg area, and it's going very well. Can cellulosic ethanol take over corn-based ethanol? Uh, that would not be, I think, a wise thing uh, for the country nor the world uh, nor the farmer. Uh, we are once again at a point today where we have surplus grain in this country. Uh, prices are below the cost of production, uh, even with, uh, you know, when corrected for the DDG, about 16% of our of our crop going to ethanol production. Quite frankly, today we should be using more to balance the supply. So I think the way we need to look at it is we need to use enough of the grain to balance the supply so that the world can produce commodities at a profit rather than subsidizing it with our government and then make the rest out of cellulose. Uh, long term, the best plant, the best game is putting the cellulosic plant right next to the corn plant because the corn plant uses the excess energy produced by the cellulosic plant from the byproduct. So what I think you'll see long term is a corn plant parked next to a cellulose plant. In fact, that's exactly what we did at Emmitsburg so that we can take the, the stover, the corn stover, and make ethanol one plant, the corn starch, and make ethanol on the other plant. We use the energy from the corn stover plant to power the the, the, the uh, 
the grain plant. Uh, and then, of course, the byproduct is all the good parts of the corn. So we still have the protein, the oil, and the micronutrients left. Uh, it really becomes a true biorefinery once you put the silosic plant next to the corn plant. There has been question for a number of months of what the Environmental Protection Agency would say regarding the volume of ethanol production. And the latest proposal, which has received thousands of comments again, would be more than was produced this past year, but less than what was intended by Congress. Through this period of unknowing, has it affected you? Has it affected the industry? You know, uh, whenever there's uncertainty, it affects, it affects investment, it affects banks, uh, it affects the lending community, obviously, whether they're going to be interested in, in helping these plants to grow and, and adding more corn capacity, adding more cellulose capacity. So, yes, whenever the government uh, goes away from its commitment, especially when the production capacity is already there, and the fact they're doing this doesn't make sense. There's plenty of production capacity. We've got an oversupply of corn. Corn prices below the cost of production. Why would they be changing this? Really only one reason, because the oil industry has tremendous political strength. And agriculture, quite frankly, could use more political strength. Uh, you know, farmers need to do a better job in ag companies of making sure Washington knows what they need. And they, what they're going to need in the future is, is more, more ethanol uh, usage to keep commodity prices from going really low like they did back in the 80s and causing a farm crisis. So uh, without question, the RVO is important. The EPA should not have deviated from the number. If we don't see the EPA return uh, to the numbers that were, that were committed to by Congress, which, by the way, the capacity is already there to produce, um, you will not see Poet building any more cellulosic capacity in the United States. Uh, there are other countries that are looking at, at, at that option. Uh, you're not going to see expansion in the corn uh, in the U.S., which the country needs. I mean, there's, it, it's critical, and the, the fact that the EPA uh, walked away from uh, this and the administration as well, and, and, and uh, we, we definitely need to get back to the numbers that were set by, by Congress and the Renewable Fuel Standard. Despite that, you've had some positives. There are some retailers that continue to add E15, and I understand from speaking with Alan Tiemann of the U.S. Grains Council last week, We've set some numbers for ethanol sales with potential for more. Yeah, without question, we're excited about our work with retailers. Um, there's a lot of work going on through our industry as well as the USDA uh, just committed $100 million. Our industry has also committed tens of millions of dollars uh, to help retailers put in pumps. Uh, large companies have come to us uh, now. Um, we, we just recently had Come and Go make an announcement. We're working with Sheets on the East Coast. We're working with uh, MAPCO in the southeast. We're working with um, numerous uh, large retailers. Uh, and so I think that, that uh, although the EPA is not uh, understanding that the market wants ethanol, uh, it, which is pretty simple to figure out just based on the number of people putting in the pumps, um, uh, you know, we, we are seeing good results from the retailer, retail sector, and I think that will pull more ethanol into the market. And certainly for the global scheme? You know, globally, uh, we do export some ethanol. Believe it or not, we actually import ethanol from Brazil and, and then export from here to Brazil because of laws in California, which are crazy. But, but uh, uh, other export markets are developing. Uh, we are working with some other countries, and hopefully we'll be exporting a bit more ethanol in the future as well. In the discussion over the RFS, I noted an individual with the EPA said it was really perhaps a mistake by Congress to set an arbitrary figure and just assume that the market infrastructure would develop to hit those points? Well, quite frankly, the plants are there to produce the product. The pumps are going in the ground to use the product. Uh, really, the RFS was created to, to 
put pressure on the oil companies to put in the infrastructure. Um, although they've had years to prepare for that, they have not lifted one finger to put in higher blend infrastructure. Uh, they are doing everything in their power to maintain market share, and quite frankly, that's so they can overcharge the consumer for their product, gasoline, and maintain the massive margins they've had for the last many years and the massive profits they've had over the last several years. So this is all strategy to keep their profits up and keep the consumer paying too much for gasoline. If we can put more ethanol in the market, we can bring the price of gasoline down. That's a fact. We've proven it for years. Uh, if we can put more ethanol and gasoline, we can bring the price down. That's why they don't want more in the market. You have weathered a number of different storms and challenges in, in developing and maintaining your industry. Uh, the price of oil has been up and been down. The price of corn has been up and has been down, and it continues to they continue to fluctuate. Uh, immediately, how has the lower price of oil affected your industry and your business? You know, ethanol is a very efficient product to produce. We are very competitive, and uh, we're able to compete in a lot of different arenas. In fact, they took away our subsidies at the same time just a couple of years ago. You're aware of that. And oil companies still have subsidies, and we're still still able to perform with them at these low oil prices. And I think what it says uh, to, to America and to the world is there's a better option here. It's better quality, it's cheaper, and it's cleaner. And, uh, and I, I think we're proving to the market that we are a worthy competitor, and if oil's got something to worry about, it's competing with us long term. You purchase a lot of corn for your 27 plants, and the price of corn, a challenge for farmers, obviously now when it's uh, in the $3 range or below $3, and certainly a challenge for the livestock industry and for yours uh, when the price uh, moves up. How, how is the better supply outlook How's it changing your outlook in terms of your, your feedstock for ethanol from corn? Well, personally, I think it's important that we keep uh, commodity farmers profitable. And if you look at increases in yields in the U.S. and around the world, we're going to need to use more ethanol to balance those prices and to keep those prices at a profitable level. Now, 7 and $8 corn isn't good for anyone, and that came from a lot of different factors, not, not just ethanol production. It was drought and lots of things that affected that. But today, as you can see, we're once again outproducing the use of corn in the world, uh, and there's an opportunity to move to higher blends of ethanol and bring that price of corn back up. So what I would say to farmers and ag companies is get behind ethanol. Uh, it is the only way to use up, the, if you look at the trends, it's the only way to use up the new yields of corn coming at us around the world. Some people are saying we're going to use it for food. Look at, the, look at the long-term trends on food. Absolutely impossible. If we don't use some of that corn for energy, we're going to, turn to the, return to the 1980s, and farmers are going to get into serious financial trouble and see below cost of production numbers perhaps for decades. How do you respond to the livestock industry, especially who has been, who has been an opponent, frankly, of the RFS? I think that uh, livestock went through a really difficult time. Uh, not only did they see, uh, you know, an increase in, uh, in commodity prices, but that was also followed by a downturn in demand for their products caused by an economic crash caused by the high price of oil. You know, the high price of oil was really hard on, on, uh, on consumers, and consumers couldn't afford to buy as much meat. So they kind of had a double whammy. They came into high price. I, I feel for them, but, hey, we all, we all had to deal with 7 or $8 corn. That was, our industry saw lots of closures, lots of problems as well. And it wasn't, again, all caused by our industry. So I think that uh, the livestock guys need to realize that a balanced price of corn is good for everyone. Uh, price in that maybe, you know, 375 to $5 range where the, the American farmer is uh, profitable is very good for everyone. And I think they're starting to see that. And they need to back off their opposition to ethanol because ethanol can help keep 
uh, prices in that range where we're all successful. Over the past few days, you offered a new study about the economic impact of Poet on the U.S. economy. It's a pretty telling story. Yeah, there's uh, some pretty uh, interesting numbers there. You know, Poet's generating about $13.5 million in sales um, for U.S. businesses. About $5.4 billion we're adding to the GDP. We're generating about uh, $3.1 billion in income for U.S. households. Uh, we uh, support or create uh, about 40,000 jobs. Uh, we're contributing about $465 million of state and local government tax rolls and supporting uh, $1.5 billion in federal taxes annually. So, yeah, uh, ethanol is a big player in the U.S. economy, uh, bigger than I think most people realize. Uh, agriculture is the largest industry in America. Uh, we're supporting that industry and making that industry profitable, which is putting money into towns and cities and uh, all across America. And, uh, and not putting it into Middle Eastern oil sheik's pockets. And I think that's the important point. And you're waiting now for the EPA to offer you numbers. We are awaiting numbers. Uh, we expect them in late November. We are very hopeful they'll return to the numbers in the renewable fuel standard. If not, I think it uh, looks very, you know, it, it doesn't look good for the future of cellulosic ethanol, uh, growth of grain ethanol, and perhaps even agriculture uh, with, uh, along with that. Well, Jeff Brown, we appreciate very much your time with us here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and, sir, the audience is yours. Well, thanks, uh, Jeff, and thanks for having me today. Um, you know, we are we are excited about uh, the future of ethanol in America. Uh, we need to make sure our government continues to support this industry. It's having a major economic impact um, on our country. Uh, it's having a major economic impact on rural America and agriculture. Um, it is cleaning up our environment. It is decreasing money flows and significant volumes uh, to the Middle East, areas that don't like our country uh, at all. Uh, and it's, it's just overall having a general positive impact on our country. So we're, we're excited about having a cheaper, uh, cleaner, uh, better product, better quality product to the American consumer. It's higher octane. Uh, it's a perfect match with these smaller turbocharged engines that are coming at us. And uh, we think the autos are starting to see that as well. So I think the future is good for, for ethanol and agriculture. Uh, the future might not be so good uh, for the oil industry if we can get our government to allow us to continue to grow. And I think that's good for America. So once again, thanks for the time today. Uh, I was glad to be with you. Our thanks to Jeff Bruin, executive chairman and founder of Poet, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc., a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States, diversified in energy, grains, and foods, and committed to growing their business through domestic and global operations. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.